I don't have to do anything on my end, right? I don't have to touch anything. No, no, Aaron, can we do a countdown so that we can sync up my audio, by the way? So. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Okay. Um, All right. So how do you we'll start. This? We'll go from three down to one. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's right, gonna three, be very funny. Two, three, 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 two, one, one. Wait, can you do it at the same time? So you have I to do three, two, one, go, and then do yeah. it. Right. Wait, Steph, count us in. Maybe right, I count work. you in, right? Yeah. yeah. And then and me and Aaron on... start the countdown. That would work. Okay. Wait, so she counts us in for a countdown. <laughs> okay. Three, two, one. Three, go. three two, two, one. One. Go. 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 Wait, Aaron, you're so go. slow. Oh, I'm <laughs> you're, you're, wait, I'm editing this episode, yeah, so I'll sync so it up. It for I'll, 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 I'll deal with it. It's fine. <laughs> okay, let's go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Third Wheel. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Conway. And I'm your other host, Hamish Lackman. And today we are doing our second take of this episode. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're joined by uh, Stephanie, all the way on the other side of the pond from New York. Do you want to introduce yes. yourself? Yes, I am Stephanie Domingo. I, I met Erin uh, virtually on Reddit. I'm a podcaster as well. I work in fashion. I don't know. I don't know really how to intro myself other than I'm, you know, I'm 36. So I'm a smooth decade older. I feel like I'm your, your auntie <laughs> to all of your <laughs> listeners. <laughs> I'm from Ohio originally, but I've, I've been in New York for 19 years. I went to Cornell. Uh, it's an Ivy League. I was I peaked very early. So smart <laughs> as a teen, and but I but I studied fashion, and you know disappointed my parents by not going into medicine like my dad. So I I'm a, a brand manager. I, I direct. Uh, I used to direct a team of designers that made sleepwear and underwear for entertainment brands. But yeah, living and loving New York despite quarantine. <laughs> and I'm happy to be on the podcast. Should I talk a little bit about my podcast? Yeah, yeah, go for it. So like people might be semi-familiar already, those who listened to one of our episodes earlier on, episode seven. Hashtag um, loyal fans. <laughs> yes. yes uh, Hashtag real ones. <laughs> day one. <laughs> real friends, how many of them? Yeah, Stephanie sent in a uh, voice clip that we played. So yeah, you might recognize. I did a terrible British accent and I... I I'm still apologizing for. No, no, it was good. Um, I, I, I recognize, yeah. like, I remember you, like, apologized straight away for it after you made it. I did. Like instant regret kind of thing. Yeah, my my um podcast co-host, Tux, he still, like, grills me about it. <laughs> He's like, you know, like, he does it in front of friends. He's like, oh, Stephanie has a really good British accent. I'm like, I fucking hate you. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, go for it. Uh, tell us a bit about... Uh, yeah, your podcast. So our podcast is called Beyond Reproach. It's a comedic history podcast about scandals and scandalousness in politics and government. Each episode, we explore the sordid details of America's past, all while drinking a little too heavily, talking way too much, and generally making fools of ourselves. Uh, it's a labor of love. We, we're both political junkies prior to the last election. And uh, yeah, so we kind of fully disconnected from politics after that. So starting our podcast was a way to still be excited about history and politics while sidestepping the horrors that are current White House. <laughs> However, there are so many parallels that come up from the past. So it's it's really helpful for us and hopefully for our audience to have greater perspective. Yeah. And you are based out in Brooklyn, New York. 
Brooklyn, yes. We record in North Brooklyn and Bushwick. It's a very hip space. We feel elderly. <laughs> I used to live in Bushwick, but I, I now live a little deeper into Brooklyn now by Prospect Park. But yeah, we, we're New Yorkers and uh, yeah, we're doing it. <laughs> yeah. And then so your podcast, so you said it kind of came about since the last election. Yeah, we started it that following year. Like, In November, you know, everything happened. And then we started it officially in May of 2017. So, oh my God, almost three years. That's crazy. Wow. Time slips away. (laughs) It does not feel like, I mean, it doesn't feel like three years for the podcast, but it does feel like, you know, three decades for this administration. I feel like we're all being aged in dog years. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually, so since since our first take of this episode, I watched a documentary on Netflix. It was, it was all about Donald Trump. Oh, no, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I found it pretty interesting how I didn't realize how associated he was with the presidency from like ages ago. Yes, he's always wanted to be, to be president. And this is, I think, his second run. At the time, I thought it was just a kind of a random thing. That happened. no. I thought he was like a joke artist or a meme artist that just became a living one. Yeah, no, he's wanted this for a while, but he's kind of changed who he he was in the different times that he's run. Because he, I think he the first time he ran as like an independent, it was very liberal. And yeah, this reinvented version, it definitely seems like a cartoon villain, like, you know, super fascist. <laughs> what, what's the documentary called? Trump. An American Dream. Oh, I have heard of that. Yeah, I. Oh. Yeah, it's just like a one season thing. Yeah, yeah. I. It's very hard for me to watch him because even though he has been our president for three, uh, God, three very very long years, almost four years, it's it's still, I don't know, it's still shocking to me that he's real. And seeing him and the way that he talks and like articulates, it's just, it seems like a joke. <laughs> so I'm not surprised you would think that he's like a meme artist because, <laughs> I mean, from afar, he, he does look that way. But this shit is real, unfortunately. <laughs> you say a lot about the stuff he says most recently in the news, I guess, was when he told people to inject or drink. Yeah, bleach. Yes, yes. Yeah, I I hear, I don't have a, a television. I haven't had one since college because everything is streaming. Like I don't, I don't really think I'm missing out on anything, but I, I get all my news from my mother and it's always the most depressing news. She's like, did you hear that Trump? And I'm like, just stop there. You know, I didn't hear because I'm trying to have a good life. <laughs> like a daily update. Yeah, basically. Yeah, so Are you I'm, on like Twitter or anything? I am on Twitter. But yeah, I'm on so Twitter just, like, in a mute, very I guess, yeah I mute oh Trump God I mute keywords. so much I just I'm on there for the for the memes and to laugh <laughs> and to be uh, fair there is probably plenty of Donald Trump memes oh yes yeah but I don't I don't know I and don't it's probably tinged with a bit of a sadness yeah exactly it's funny and then it's like you you laugh to prevent yourself from crying a little bit. So yeah, I try to I try to stay clear from from Donald Trump. But you guys have like a version over there too, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, Boris. Yeah, you could say that he is. Um, he's kind of doing his best yeah. Trump impersonation, but he doesn't seem dumb. <laughs> so you said that, but he skipped like multiple COVID nineteen meetings with scientists and so on. Oh no, really? He's doing at the okay, beginning. So. 
Yeah. Well, <laughs> so back to the podcast. You say you don't talk about current politics. No, we don't. I mean, it, it drifts in just because we're drinking and like Tux usually goes there. I rarely make jokes because I'm, again, I'm trying to dissociate from, from my current reality. There are parallels, but we don't specifically talk about anything that's current at all. Okay. So you just kind of revisit old stuff? Yeah. My last episode, the last scandal I did on on our podcast was about, I don't know, do you know the, the artist Eartha Kitt? She was really popular in the 50s through the 70s. Yeah. She's like, she was big in Europe. She moved to Paris when she was like a, a teen, basically, to dance and sing and do like the, um, what is it called? Uh, cabaret circuit over there. Okay, yeah. But she came back during the civil rights movement and she had this altercation with the first lady at the time, Lady Bird Johnson. Apparently, the news said that she made her cry by talking about the Vietnam War, which wasn't true. So that was my my scandal, just the way that news can be skewed. And newspapers can just run with lies, and it becomes a scandal. And yeah, so I, I do a lot of things from the 60s. I really love JFK, like his administration even though it was only a few years, was so scandalous. I mean, he had so many affairs. He was doing a lot of shady things all over, especially in Cuba. JFK? <laughs> yeah, JFK. But isn't he like kind of built up to be some sort of hero? Exactly. Yeah. All I kind of know about him is he was just assassinated. That's the only thing I really know about him. I like the yeah. history. He is known for just, you know, getting shot on camera but he was very scandalous he had so many affairs he had an affair notorious one with marilyn monroe like it was not a well-kept secret like everyone including his wife knew yeah so why why is he made out to be like because he was shot because he was assassinated so he was able to to be turned into like a martyr for the cause Hmm. and also his brother was shot too yeah i was just that was what i was gonna say because i after i watched the trump thing i was like okay let me watch something else semi-related so i watched there's also one called bobby kennedy for president oh yeah yeah that's another really scandalous part of our history and we still have we still don't really know who killed jfk there's a lot of things that haven't been declassified and same for his brother yeah it was a crazy time (laughs) a really really crazy time i don't know if you guys had assassinations and things like that and in um the uk really i can't Verbal, yes, but not physical. <laughs> yeah, I, I, well, I can't. There isn't. There hasn't been any in a way that are on the same like kind of fame as the JFK one. Or do you see the fame situation? Isn't that just kind of because, in a non-rude way, for any of the American listeners, it's like Americans like to kind of like make themselves out as like these high, you know, prestige or pride-holding individuals. Yeah. So like they just make like JFK sound like a hero, you know, well. Obviously, I know nothing about him. Yeah. I mean, I think we're really big into mythology, uh, unfortunately, especially in like a like a cowboy sort of sense. <laughs> we like our, you know, our guns and um, being seen as like, you know, air quotes, freedom lovers, which, you know, I mean, it's meaningless. But yeah, <laughs> we like our heroes. We like our myth because we're such a new country. We've been able to just like, I don't know, tell our own story. <laughs> write our own story if you so tux is your co-host yes and so both of you kind of bring a story each episode mm-hmm. yeah he researches his scandal separately from mine and we tell each other 
our stories live on the air. I just tell him the era of my story because every episode has vintage cocktail that pairs with either one of our stories, whoever goes first. So if I go first, I have to tell him like, okay, my story is from, you know, the 1780s, <laughs> like find a cocktail of that era. And yeah, he, he does. He's, he's such a food history buff. He's such a nerd. I, I love him to death, but his, he has so many books on cocktail history, food history. He has like three books just on flour. <laughs> he's <laughs> such a nerd. Yeah. He got me into the British, uh, the great British um, bake off. Oh, okay. baking show. oh, I love that show. Yeah, it's the yeah, only cult it, here. Oh, is it good? I'm part of the cult because I, I hate reality TV. I actually have a question about your shows because I, I heard that you have a show where it's like a dating show, but everyone's naked. Oh, Love Island. Yes, maybe. Is that, is that, that awesome? Island? Um, it's like every round people like they show their bottoms like without. Oh, hair. Naked Attraction. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I've I've seen I I went to visit a friend of mine who studies in Sheffield, and that's the only time I've ever seen it, and it was very weird. It's weird, very but weird. it's surprisingly it's... not very sexual. Like I thought it was gonna be, I no, don't know, like not. more raunchy, <laughs> but it's almost like. So have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen it because I, I have a friend who um has his best friend lives in London. She. She married some like pop star. They met, yeah, they met here in the oh, US and okay. she married, I forget his name. A UK pop star? Yeah. But Tux and his husband, Russell, they go to, um, they've been to London recently and they that's where they fell in love with that show. And now they like pirate it <laughs> because Russell's obsessed. So I saw a pirated version of it <laughs> at their apartment one night. And like he was telling me the concepts, I'm like, ooh, this sounds really ugh, trashy. But then watching it, I'm like, oh, okay, because there were so many different ages and races and body yeah. types, which I thought was really, really like amazing actually to see the diversity of um, just people. Like I was yeah. like, if it was in the U.S., it would only be sexy people. I think that's the 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 main difference between um, U.S. actors and U.K. actors. Like U.K. actors. There are beautiful ones, but I, I find that they just look regular for the most part. Whereas, you know, we have like the Brad Pitts, like he's, his acting isn't very good, but he's very nice to look at. Oof. The one thing America will never have is Anton Deck. We have Anton Deck. And I feel Who's like they're, Deck? they're like the best, I feel like, hosts or like presenters British TV has ever got to witness. I feel like that was such a weird, like. <laughs> Comparison. I have no weapon to choose. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, and Anton Deck's uh, this duo who like they present the TV presenters. Okay, you know America's Got Talent. They do. They're part of the British version. So British Britain's Got Talent. Oh, okay. Uh, they present the equivalent of that, and then like some other shows. Oh, I see them. Ant and Deck. Okay. Yeah. What's his real name? Like Anthony or something? Yeah, Anthony McPartlin and Declan Donnelly. I think. Huh. Oh, I um, didn't know that. Canadians. But they, they were actually famous because they, well, they started off uh, as like actors, two actors on a TV show, I forgot what it was called, but they, their characters were PJ and Duncan. And then they just became like best friends and they released a song called uh, <laughs> Let's Get Ready to Rumble. What? Is it any good? You might have heard of it like, <laughs> let's get ready to rumble, get ready, get steady. 
and rumble. Everybody rumble. Huh. I don't know if that rings a bell. It might if you listen to it. Yeah, yeah, I would have to hear it. No offense to your singing voice, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they're, they're, uh, I didn't do it justice. Uh, although it's not like any anything good. Um, <laughs> yeah, especially if no, they're just no. comedians who start. But they're, know, they're, no, but just I think yeah, they are. They are considered probably like a uh, what's what's the word when it's like they're very precious to the country kind of thing. They're oh, like, um, the gem. a national treasure. Yeah, national treasure. Yeah, yeah they are. The same as like Mary Berry or something. I was like just that. about to say like Mary Berry or maybe like Mr. Bean. Is Mr. Bean still a thing? Oh my god, yeah. He's definitely <laughs> National Treasure, but I don't think he's still doing Mr. Bean. Yeah. As in, I'm, I'm pretty certain he's not doing Mr. Yeah. Bean. Yeah. I don't want to um, put you in a spot, but I was going to ask if you had a an historic scandal that you can maybe share, like a quick one that you think is pretty pretty interesting. So. I'm kind of obsessed with CIA scandals, things that have been declassified, like just the secret covert ops that we've done in all sorts of countries under the guise of, I guess, American freedom. There's, I did this scandal, I, I don't remember what episode. I guess I'll, I'll tell you after the fact and then you can like yeah, put yeah. it in the show notes. Operation Mongoose was a CIA scandal that came out of the JFK. White House, where they basically were just picking on Cuba because Cuba didn't want to give up their land. They There were so many Americans who had property in Cuba. And after, I don't know, if, do you know anything about Cuban history? I don't know. If Not this is really, like but I, I actually, I'm, I'm, I watch too much Netflix because I'm about <laughs> to say there's like a Cuban documentary that's on my watch list from netflix that i've been meaning to get around to watch but i don't I, w- I won't be able to tell you anything so i guess short answer is no <laughs> okay well castro was basically a thorn in the side of the jfk administration it's kind of how trump feels about president obama <laughs> like just kind of obsessed with him in okay. a really unhealthy way so operation mongoose it was like a secret government sponsored i mean for lack of a better word terrorist campaign that was blessed by JFK and their the sole mission was to topple the Castro regime and replace it with an administration that was more favorable to American interests because the person who was in power before Castro had a lot of ties to the US it was almost like a, a unofficial colony like a like a Puerto Rico sort of situation where American okay. businesses could go there and like you know, take all the resources and just send all the proceeds back to the U.S. So Castro got into office and was like, oh, no, no, like we're going to have Cuban businesses instead of all these American ones. So, so yeah, JFK was big mad. (laughs) And so, yeah, it was just so many really awful things that they did to Cuba. They planned all these, I guess there were, there were like four different categories of the things that they did. Economic warfare was one where they would target like oil refineries and power plants just to like destabilize the country. They would just, you know, secretly fly over and bomb these things. Yeah, it was it was bad. And there was a lot of propaganda too, which I which is my favorite thing actually because they did the most ridiculous things. They had this <laughs> they had this plan that it was a subplot of Oper- Operation Mongoose. It was called Operation Good Times. It was a plan to create fake photographs of Castro, like living large, like DJ Khaled, because the country was 
was after um, the U.S. kind of cut ties with them, they weren't able to import and export goods. So they were starting to ration things. So they thought if they dropped this picture with Castro, like surrounded with all this food, I guess this, this, this photograph. So like just like a photoshopped picture. Exactly. Yeah. Of like a, a really fat Castro with two like beautiful women on his side in this like lavish room. And <laughs> the caption was supposed to be, my ration is different. And like they airdropped these leaflets over the country to, I guess, like, you know, stir up dissent. Like, oh, this guy is living so big while, you know, I can't get bread. He's living a sexy good life. Yeah, all sorts of things. Like they, there was a plan to like drop one-way flights to different cities, like Mexico City and Caracas, like other Spanish-speaking cities to encourage their people to, I guess, like leave, like a mass exodus sort of thing to create dissent and unrest. But there were, it's funny, there were no tickets for... American cities because it's like no no we don't want you here we just we just want Castro to look bad so just like all sorts of things the U- the U.S. you know did in these really covert ways and they were only declassified uh, I think like 20 years after the fact like in the 80s but a lot of the plans weren't actually they did not go through on them thankfully because there was a plan to <laughs> spike their crops like with like a biological agent this was written down and everything to create a famine. Like they were willing to, at least they drew up plans to starve the Cuban people. Never, never happened. But again, this is how obsessed JFK was with Castro's um, administration. Crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. So I actually, I actually like, especially like a few years back, I was, well, I mean, I, I think I always have, I always try to watch like CIA, FBI stuff. FBI stuff oh, like, cool. Yes. But, Certain TV shows, well, not real stuff, just to clarify. Obviously, oh, okay. it would just be like TV shows, so all made up. So um, an example would be one called Covert Affairs. It was like CIA-based. And it, I wouldn't say it's that great of a TV show, but I guess it was just interesting to just see what they were up to, even in this fake timeline and with all the bullshit they pull. Yeah, I mean, it's it's wild, like the things that have been declassified. Like they were, there was a plan that they actually went through on developing exploding cigars because Castro liked to smoke cigars. They wanted to taint his wetsuit with poison because he liked to uh, scuba dive, like all sorts of insane things. Like they paid people like ex-lovers to try to poison him. He was really into like dairy products. So they tried to spike a milkshake, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, a lot of effort. (laughs) When you say declassified. Yes. What do you mean by that? Okay. I mean that the CIA had blessings from certain people in the JFK uh, White House. Like everything, it was classified at the time because they said it threatened national security. And they knew that it would be bad press if newspapers heard about these, you know, poison milkshakes and, you know, exploding seashells. There was another plan for... (laughs) exploding seashells but they couldn't find a a seashell big enough to put a bomb in it that wasn't obvious that there was a bomb in this seashell so it was classified at the time because it would have been really embarrassing for the jfk white house if this was out so usually things are declassified 20 years after the fact 50 years after the fact like who shot MLK is still declassified. I think there. I think it's a hundred years on that one, so it won't be 
it won't be revealed. Like all the CIA, FBI documents won't okay. be revealed for a certain period of time. Okay. So by declassified, it's just secret. Like exactly. Secret. Yes. Okay. okay. Yes. That's So then you would also have a cocktail with that yes. story from that mm-hmm. era. Yeah. I forget what cocktail we did. It was a blue Hawaiian. No, I was, I was going to say me and Hamish actually took part in like a quiz this week with oh. like some friends. And one of the rounds was a cocktail round. Oh, okay. So the questions we were told, we were given the ingredients that went into the cocktail. And then we had to guess what cocktail it was. How did you guys do? Oh, no, we, we did all four of that round. I was thinking that, uh, yeah, beyond reproach. You got zero? Oh, we would chill. We would clean up. I don't, yeah. I don't drink or anything, so it's a bit of a... Oh, okay. <laughs> I was okay. in a lot. I was. I knew it was a loss in round before it started. Yeah, yeah. Did you even play? You're just like no, milk. No. I did. <laughs> I was trying to get the funny points. Um, oh, okay, yeah. With regards to these given times, how has it affected your podcasting, if at all? So, Tux, my my co-host, he he got coronavirus, or as he calls it, the Rona. He suspected just because him and his husband both had very similar uh, symptoms. Like they lost their sense of smell and taste, which is a really common one in people who are kind of younger, really bad trouble breathing for almost like a solid week, uh, fever, cough, dry cough. So he had all of the symptoms. So he just suspects. Yeah, testing is really hard in New York because they're really only testing in hospitals and they're so understaffed right now that you you really shouldn't be going to a hospital unless you're like about to die. So yeah, a lot of people have it and haven't been tested and have since recovered. So we have been recording together because now he has, you know, immunity. Like I can't get him sick and and they can't get me sick. So we're still recording in Brooklyn at his place. So regards regards to the immunity thing, I I think the World Health Organization has said that there's no guarantee that one person's immune after they get it. That is true. They don't, just because we don't have a history on it, but they suspect that there probably is some sort of immunity. But yeah, I feel okay because I've, I've seen him a few times since and, you know, I, I feel perfectly fine. But I am, other than that, I am sheltering in my apartment or my uh, partner's apartment. He has a car, so he's picking me up. I'm not like on the subway, thankfully. Yeah, but I've, I don't know about you guys, but I've, I've kind of been loving quarantine. I just I've learned that just how I live my life is called quarantine, <laughs> which is you know felt like a bit of a burn. But I I'm an introvert, so I, I like spending time at home. I have lots of projects. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say like um I've been loving it. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Fair. Um, or, or like or like even I haven't I wouldn't say I like it either. But, oh um, wow. Okay. But I wouldn't also say i've hated it like i i'm kind of just dealing with it like I, yeah i'm not i'm not moaning about it um, i'm just getting on with it really and it's not it hasn't really affected my work too much or only thing it's affected is just seeing other people kind of thing That's yeah pretty much it so it's affected my work but i i like working remotely i think that i'm way more productive at home oh really that's that's kind of a bit opposite to what the norm probably is yeah i think I think it's just because I, I'm like just often distracted by other people. And if it's just me in my apartment, like I I live alone, I'm able to just do work 
and the less, like, I, I don't work a full day anymore. Like I, I work from like eight to about like two thirty, and like everything is done. Whereas like I would usually stay late because yeah. there's always people coming to me with issues like, Oh, can you help with this? It's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and there's less of that now. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you do for a full-time job if you can speak about it? So I, I manage, um, entertainment brands like i i'm a licensing brand manager well now director because my my team was unfortunately laid off the first week that non-essential businesses were closed two days into it like on, on that tuesday my whole team was let go and they did similar things in other departments like there were cuts in sales and production because our products are going to retailers and so many of our retailers are closed right now like malls are closed obviously so that was really destabilizing that was definitely the worst work week of my entire life like i i like cried all week <laughs> it was really really terrible because just the way that they did it like being fired virtually just seems really offensive and like really tacky but you know i guess you know everyone's working from home and that's what you have to do but it's like everyone had just taken their lap tops home that Friday and like then you're fired on Tuesday it's like you could have just fired me on Friday you know so was it just like an email or was it like a video call it was a video call with our CEO yeah and our um, uh, HR director so yeah yeah. that must just be pretty awkward exactly really really awkward and I was told after the fact like I thought like they were texting me like oh I was just let go I'm like ha 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 like okay and then another person who I used to manage texted me virtually the same thing. I'm like, oh, okay, this is real. Like I'm finding out after the fact. And I just, yeah, I felt really helpless. And like two of them have kids, like young kids. So I, I felt really guilty that I still had a job, whereas they didn't. But it's it's simply because I trained them and I, I can technically like be dropped into their projects and still be able to do that. So yeah, it's, it's a crazy time right now. I have so many friends who are out of work, people who, who own their own businesses that aren't essential um, bars, restaurants. I have two friends who own stores, friend that has two different hair, um, like barbershops for men. Like they're all effectively unemployed right now, but as a business owner, you you can't collect unemployment. So they're waiting on these like loans, uh, these grants from the government. It's just like, it's a whole mess. It's really scary. I don't know if our business is really going to survive because our it's dropped 60%. Okay, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it's, it's bad. <laughs> I don't know how things are over there. Do you have a lot of friends who are out of work? Like I have doctor friends who are out of work because, you know, they do plastic surgery and that's not essential right now. Like, Everything that's not essential is is stopped. I know a few people that have been furloughed. So furlough is like, which is, I guess, um, here it's okay because of the scheme that they opened up. But yeah, essentially, I don't... Do you want to explain what the scheme is? Oh, yeah. The scheme is... So check the government website for full um, guidelines. Um, but this is my <laughs> it. I don't um, think so, anyone is tuning yeah. in for to yeah. learn about <laughs> Yeah, It's so from you. <laughs> yeah, essentially, um, if you were a perm employee, I think before much and you're furloughed right now in this situation so that obviously people don't become unemployed what they do is that they'll the government will help pay for up to 80 percent of your salary up to mm. 2.5k so the maximum you can get is 2.5k per month what during this period of 
lockdown and to prevent um, companies from letting people go? Yeah, so we we've actually done that at my company as well. Like after they they did, they probably let go maybe 10% of our workforce. And then the following Tuesday, because it's like they do this every other Tuesday, it seems more and more people are furloughed for up to 90 days. And it's a similar scheme here where you're, I think you're eligible for um, up to like, I think $2,500 a, uh, a month. And you're able to keep your health care because here, because we're stupid, our health care is through our employer and so many people are out of work now, but furloughed people are still technically under their employer's health insurance. So it's way better than being let go and having nothing right now. The healthcare stuff actually. So so in America you, you have to pay for healthcare. Yes. Have they done anything about like if you get ill from coronavirus? Are you still um, having to pay? Yes. You are still having to pay. You don't have to pay for the test. Test is free. So absurd. But if you are hospitalized, you do have to pay for your expenses. So if you have a job and you're, or you're furloughed and you still have health insurance through your job, your employer will pay like 70% or more of your bill. And you're just, you know, responsible for the remainder. But if you aren't employed um, or if you're self-employed and you have no income right now, you are required to pay your coronavirus expenses and they can be very very high anywhere from like i guess like a few thousand dollars to like maybe sixty thousand dollars you could be responsible for it's it's terrible it's really really shameful i don't know i it is my hope at least that in the end because of this pandemic like there will be some sort of basic coverage like you guys have in the uk i know that that's you have like a, a basic sort of coverage, right? And then you can pay into a private thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. There was this thing, I guess, called Obamacare that went around that was, I guess, meant to be similar. So how did yeah. that work? What's its status now, given that Trump's in power? So I I know about it vaguely. It's heavily subsidized. Under Obama, at least, it was heavily subsidized. I think Trump has has basically gutted a lot of it. So the coverage is less and more expensive now under Trump. Shocking. But under uh, President Obama, Obamacare was was very affordable. And you would get penalized if you didn't have some sort of coverage. It varied state by state. But in New York, I think the average amount was something like, I don't know, like no more than like $700 a month, which does seem like a lot, but that's nothing compared to paying for it on your own. But it's usually around like $300 a month of, of coverage, like a basic sort of coverage. Yeah, it's not enough. <laughs> it's definitely not enough. And I'm not here defending anything of the sort. It's it's shameful. It's really, really shameful. And my, my dad is from London <laughs> and I'm just like, when I got a little bit older, like after I, I got out of college and I'm just learning more about the way the world is here versus everywhere else, I'm just like, why did you move here again? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, why did you do this to us? <laughs> did you say you'd be penalized if you didn't have coverage? Yes. Yes. There was a like a tax 
you would have to pay like more in taxes if you weren't covered by Obamacare. Because there were some people who were just like, oh, I don't want to have it. Like, you know, I'm young, like I'm, I'm good. So there would be some sort of, because they, they were trying to encourage more people to get this basic coverage. But now that penalty is gone. So more people have just slipped out of the system because it is more expensive and there's no penalty for not being in it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then you mentioned earlier, you went to Cornell. Yes. Yes, yes. I initially, <laughs> I initially studied because my dad is a physician. He's a, he's an OBGYN. He delivers babies and only treats uh, women. And that's like, called obstre- an OBG. Uh, yeah, it's called OBGYN. It's like obstetrics. Oh, I can I can never say the word. It's like obstetrics in gynecology. Okay. Yeah, that's just you know the the code, the shorthand for it. So he does that. So he's surrounded by women and he, he wanted a son and he has six daughters. So it's just, it's like the town <laughs> joke that he's OBGYN with six daughters. And at one point we had a female dog. So it's like all these <laughs> women and just him. <laughs> but yeah, the, the plan for me was to, you know, to go into medicine because I was like a really bright kid and I, I really wanted to get the fuck out of Ohio. It's we have the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and, and not much else. It's a nice place to grow oh, up, I guess. Cool. But I didn't apply to a single college there and it like broke my dad's heart. But like I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't breathe in Ohio. It's so homogenous and like really religious and just, ugh. yeah, not the place for me. So I, I went to Cornell. I entered as a neurobiology and behavior major. I was going to become, uh, the plan was I was going to go into psychology. And be like a child psychologist. Yeah, I got really depressed and I was doing it for the wrong reasons. I I did love science, but I, I didn't. I shadowed a few <laughs> psychiatrists and it just seems like they were, the, the child ones at least, that they were just pushing medication on kids like really quickly. That parents are just medicating their kids. I mean, again, I'm not a doctor, but it just seemed like a lot and that kids were really, really young. and It just turned me off. Hmm. And I, I've always loved art. Like I've always drawn and like I, I love to watercolor and I've always had a creative side. So I, I switched to textiles and apparel management. My mom is like, you're never going to get a job. And I'm like, thanks, mom. <laughs> <laughs> so did you switch to that at Cornell? Yeah. Yeah. It, it took me like five plus years to finish because I, I got really depressed there. I don't know if you know a lot about Cornell, but it has the highest suicide rate of all the Ivy League. Okay. I only knew Cornell was an Ivy League yeah. university. Or it's a college. beautiful school. It's in upstate New York, but it has a lot of waterfalls. And I don't know if you know what a gorge is. It's like a just a very deep pit. And at the bottom, there's water. And students would go missing. And everyone knew that they're probably, they're probably going to find their body, unfortunately, in the gorge somewhere. And... Yeah. Yeah, there was lots of suicide. It's just, it's a bleak place. It's so cold. Oh my God, so cold and dreary. And I'm very like light sensitive and it's just, it was hard. So I I switched to, uh, you know, fashion. It was a little bit better, but yeah, I was just so happy to get the fuck out of there. (laughs) Oh my God. What's your favorite bits about New York then? Hamish, actually, he can talk about this, but I think he wants to live there at least for a bit. Oh, Really? Okay. Well, I love Brooklyn, even though I, I work in the Empire State Building. Uh, oh, that, yeah, I remember. You know, yeah, iconic it. building. Uh, everyone's like, oh, it's so cool. You get to be in that building. And I'm like, we have bomb sniffing dogs. Like, it's that building can blow up at any day. It is it is a very beautiful, beautifully designed building. I don't know if you're into like architecture, but it's art deco style. So it still feels very, very like fresh in a way that 
a lot of older buildings don't. Like the Lions are really, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful building. Yeah. And it's very accessible for me on the subway. I just, I can hop on. I'm, I'm only one block from, from my subway stop, which is amazing. Feel very spoiled. Nice. And I'm, I'm to work in like 20 minutes. It's direct. Has the Empire State Building kind of lost its kind of appeal working there? No, it hasn't actually. It's, it's just, it's so grand that it still feels kind of cool, but also it does feel a little scary because I, every morning I walk past bomb sniffing dogs and cars that are being checked out with that little like mirror underneath cars to make sure that there's nothing in the undercarriage that can explode. Like that's a little, a little nerve wracking, but it's, I don't know. I I still feel kind of lucky to be in the building because it is really really pretty and i'm able to go to the top whenever i want to and i don't oh, have really? to wait in line which is nice oh that's that's pretty cool yeah yeah i remember when i so i worked in new york for a bit and then yeah you said that you you lived in uh greenpoint and uh Gowanus, right yeah yeah so he started off at greenpoint and then moved moved over to uh Gowanus. and um i really loved greenpoint because it was like right by the by the river um, yeah oh, greenpoint is beautiful yeah i, I remember i think there was, oh, what was it? The Williamsburg Hotel. Yes. Um, yeah. We were close to that and you can, they've got a rooftop bar. Yes, they do. And I remember, I think my first trip there, my CTO took me, it was just me and him and he took me to the Williamsburg Hotel and we went up to have a drink at the top. And I remember just like looking out and you could see the whole of like the Manhattan skyline. Yeah. It's a such a just, beautiful view from Williamsburg. Yeah. I remember being like, oh, cause it's kind of like just one of those things that you just see in the movies kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was definitely a wow kind of moment for me in America. Yeah, the first time I went to the top of the Empire State Building, like I felt physically ill because I had been working in the building for maybe like four years at that point. And I had never gone up because I'm just like, you know, I work here. I can go up whenever. But finally, I had a friend from Italy that wanted to go up to the the top. So I'm like, yeah, I can take you. Like we can skip all the lines. It'll be great. And just looking, looking down on the city and seeing all the, the fucking buildings it just yeah. it reminded me of like a beehive and it just felt really like sick. I'm just like, why are there all these people here? <laughs> this is unnatural. <laughs> like, <ugh. laughs> Have you ever had one of those scares like, I know this is a bit off topic, but have you ever had like one of those scares where you've been evacuated out of the building due to the possible bomb scare? Because you said there's bombs in the dog, so. Um, there was a, oh God, I feel like this is the America's terrible episode <laughs> of Third Wheel. <laughs> but there is, um, I wasn't in the building at the time. I was uh, I was traveling in Italy for my birthday, but there was a an active shooter in the building. Someone had come back to their office after being fired and shot their boss in the Empire State Building. So we were our floor was evacuated and people had to go uh, a few blocks away as like a rendezvous point. And I had so many people calling me and sending me texts like, are you okay? I heard about your building. And I'm just like, what? I'm in Italy. Like, I'm fine. What are you even talking about? And then I, yeah, I looked into him like, oh God, of course. Okay. That sounds, (laughs) I didn't even want to. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, this was the, it's so terrible. There's so many shootings in New York, but I think this, I think at this point, the guy who shot his boss like went out to the street and like the cops were there. And like, I think the cops accidentally shot a bystander trying to shoot this guy. Like it was a crazy day, <laughs> uh, <laughs> crazy wow. day at the office. But yeah, it's everyone on our floor was safe, but yeah, I got lots of messages being like, are you okay? What happened? Do you see yeah. what happened? And it's like, 
I'm not one to look like I am too black for that. Like I will be running if I hear gunshots. <laughs> I'm not going to try to like put this on IG live. Like I want to live. <laughs> also. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> uh, so to try and make this not a, like America is really bad episode, what are some of, <laughs> what are some of the good, good things? I guess. Oh, well, you know, the people are, are great. And I think, I mean, in New York, especially it's such a, it's such a melting pot. It's like, I feel like I have to travel less just because I'm surrounded by so many different cultures and, you know, the subway runs 24 hours a day and it's really accessible to everyone. Mostly. I mean, the fares have gone up, but it's, it's a beautiful city. There's so much to, to offer so many great museums. Um, so what's the uh, fare now? So when I went, it was like $175. Yeah. And you can go. I think it's 250 now. You wanted, which yeah, you can go cool. anywhere. Yeah. yeah. So you can go from one end to the other for 175, which mm-hmm. of course was. Yeah, because in London, it's like, it's based on distance, right? Your fare. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like that here. But the tube runs 24 hours, correct? Only some lines. <gasps> oh, okay. Hmm. And I think that's only like on Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday night, I think. Mm, yeah, okay. so not as not as a twenty four seven as New York. Okay, yeah, New York is a it's it really spoils you because because you can get so much at you know it is the city that never sleeps because you can get like Indian food at four in the morning like delivered to your house like you can get so many things that you really sh- don't need <laughs> but <laughs> if you want it you can have it and living anywhere else you just you just expect a lot so it's like where do you move after new york i mean i i've always wanted to live in london even though the weather is bad just because it's so <laughs> close to europe like warmer parts of europe like you could yeah, hop, yeah. hop on uh what's that what's the airline that's like really cheap not really not the ryanair the other one the orange one easy jet easy jet yeah the orange yeah. one <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like a cheap flight to you know Greece, you know, randomly, which would be yeah, maybe anything. maybe after all this is this is over. Um, yeah. Up, so how you see? Yeah, New York's a city that never sleeps, but how are they sleeping now? Well, because of lockdown, people are definitely like no one's riding the subway. No one that I I know of. It's only now for essential workers, like hospital people or um, people that work in grocery stores post office, things like that. So yeah, people are sheltering in place for the most part, but I have noticed that a lot of people aren't wearing masks, which is makes me a little nervous, especially on the nice days. The mask seems to disappear or there are people who so are wearing masks anything like from but pulled down underneath their chin and they're, you know, smoking. There's a lot of that happening. I saw a woman eating chicken wings and gloves. I'm like, Okay, don't really need to be eating outside. I don't think that's super safe right now, but okay, I guess you're hungry. <laughs> that's kind of what I love about New York. I mean, it's it's good and bad, but people are very free here, you know, live the weirdest life they want. Like you can just walk around in a chicken suit if you want and people will look at you for a second and then look away and like, you know, go back to the book. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, yeah. whatever, <laughs> nothing to see. <laughs> I already saw it, you know, it's, you can really truly be yourself here. But yeah, it's, I don't know. People are, I would say most people are respecting the the measures that are put in place to, you know, flatten the curve. They're wearing their masks. They're, you know, they're not outside unless they're doing an essential thing like going to get a prescription or going to the grocery store. But there are some people who just 
you know, want to be free, I guess. I roll. Yeah. <laughs> how, how are things over there? People are generally obeying, I think, Hamish. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but as I guess time goes on, I think people are obeying it more, say, two weeks ago than they are now. Correct. Same, same. Yeah. Or people feel like they can only be locked down for a certain amount of time. And then you always see stuff online, like pictures of like parks and beaches of people, like loads of people out and not really obeying it. But, um, for us anyway, right now at the time of recording, I think they do believe we've passed the peak of it in a way. Yeah, two weeks ago, people were doing the right things. And now it's kind of slowly slipping away. When do you think it'll be lifted? When, uh, at least for the UK? So have you been told anything? From well, in New York, we are waiting until May 15th to be told when the ban will probably lift. I'm thinking maybe June. 15th maybe another month from from then but I, I don't know there are some states that are already fully open which is terrifying I fully just, open yeah georgia is fully open you can go get your hair done you can get your nails done every every restaurants they are trying to limit who's in a restaurant uh, they're trying to cap occupancy but yeah it's open everything in in certain states mostly in the south well, I know like Sweden just didn't do it, like just didn't lock down. Yeah, what is that about? Is I haven't, I, I did hear that in passing, but I never looked into, that's true, right? They'd never. Yeah, um, I think hmm. they just trusted. Do the right thing. Mm. But actually, I did see a, a graphic or a graph recently where Sweden suddenly spiked or something. Um, so I'm not, I'm not too sure about that. But yeah, here, I don't know if Hamish, you want to. I. Well, I personally have obviously been expecting this to be in the long run anyway, so... Hamish has been living in a bubble. <laughs> have you <laughs> talked about your bubble life? <laughs> no. I, basically, I'm, I was kind of... I, as soon as this stuff started breaking out, especially as soon as it started kicking off in the UK, for those who don't know, I don't know if I've mentioned in a previous episode, but since maybe like mid-March, I, I haven't used the train or I haven't even been <laughs> to like anything. <laughs> so... Yeah, that's been that. I, the last two episodes we recorded in person, I was driven to both of them, so I wasn't in any like kind of exposure to or boss crowds or anything. So I've just been working from home for like really early, and I expect if it's going to be lifted to be like end of September. Stop um, it! Stop it! <laughs> and by that I mean like people like me because I'm not like an essential. Do you mean like fully people. lifted? Yeah, or yeah, like fully lifted, or like people like me should be going into work. Because I don't need to be in office. I can work remote. I think throughout February, I was only going in on Fridays because the least amount of people come in on Fridays. And then uh. in March, it's been pretty much... The only time I've seen them is through a video conference we had recently. <laughs> I have not really seen people. Really? You guys aren't doing video conferences regularly at, at your work? No. Um, oh, we don't okay. do video calls in general as it is. But like for, I guess, like a kind of a catch-up or social type thing. We did yeah. one evening. And then everyone's just like, oh... Your hair's grown out all my days. Look at you, like a <laughs> haircut. You don't need to shave your beard. So I'm, I'm trying to find. So the government have released. They have said the five. There's five things that they're looking for to basically to start lifting restrictions. So I think I've got the five here. So the first one is protect the NHS's ability to cope and be confident that the NHS is able to provide sufficient critical care across the UK. So the second one is a sustained and com consistent fall in daily deaths from coronavirus. Three is the rate of infection 
decreased to a manageable level across the board. So that they're measuring on what's called the R value, which just means like the number of people that one person infects. Oh, okay. Hmm. Surveying. And then but... test for operational challenges, including testing and PPE are in hand with supply able to meet future demand. Hmm. And okay. the fifth one is confident that any adjustments to the current measures will not risk a second peak of infections of infections that overwhelms NHS. I mean, they're having second peaks in China and South Korea now. Yeah, it's not big, but it's like it's coming back slowly a little, mm. unfortunately. Yeah. I, don't know, I, I can see us lifting, starting to lift restric- restrictions at the end of this month. Really? Like okay. not, not, in, not anything major. Yeah. Do you think the restrictions will be lifted on different parts? Like of the uk faster like maybe rural areas i don't think they should lift it in london uh, i know that no i don't think so either yeah but i'm just thinking like outside of london like i don't know the smaller cities yeah the issue with that is if you do it here on the smaller cities i have a feeling that these the londoners would some of them would just go there to kind of <gasps> temporarily oh, oh, no that would be bad it's one of those things where it's just like people like the idea of being free well right now we're not really i guess stuck at home with I, I read it somewhere that i think probably everyone's seen it that we're we're safe at home not stuck at home and that is probably one thing i hope people could understand as much yeah. as as much as we yeah, like to want everyone to understand because we expect them to be a certain intellect yeah no that's a better framing of it safe at home yeah i wish that would be in i, I mean most people here are People in New York, that's what I mean when I say people here are following the rules, but definitely it's been, you know, slipping, especially as the weather is getting nicer, you know, more people are out and about and in the parks and, you know, going for runs and, you know, walking their dog like they've never walked their dog before. (laughs) (laughs) Their dog is so thin. (laughs) Yeah, it'd definitely be interesting to see like how the future kind of is affected by all of this and what kind of stays permanent i guess yeah i think travel is going to be really impacted for a while to come i think people will be wearing protective gear on planes probably until the end of the year i mean i might i you know once once we're able to fly again i would i would definitely be taking up to fly oh no (laughs) yeah i was gonna say ah oh my god maybe i'm in denial about it because I, I always travel uh, for my birthday in August. I, I like to travel alone um, to Italy every year. So I'm trying to like be hopeful that maybe I can still do it. Probably not, though. But would, I'm hoping. I wouldn't hope for August. <laughs> and you, yeah. you'll be going from like the worst infected country to the second worst infected country. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> that's, that's according to public knowledge. Because yeah. you can't, you don't is know true. what kind of... <laughs> Yeah, no, we don't have real numbers in a lot of places. Yeah, no, that's that's very, very good point. Sad. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I don't know if there is a going back to normal for certain industries, but, you know, I'm still hopeful that there can be some positive change, especially with like climate change. I think they're more, I think there's like a collective feeling now that, you know, we're kind of in this together. Everyone saw the coronavirus as this thing that was just, you know, a Chinese virus, and we saw how quickly it became a global thing. And same is true for climate change. Like whether we want to believe it or not, we are all in this, and we all can, as as 
we're showing now we can change our behavior if we must. So I, I don't know. I feel like nothing is all bad. And this could be positive, but we're just, I mean, we're still in the, in the storm. At least in New York, we are. I don't know how true all those, I've seen like a lot of photos about like how good this has been for the climate or like climate change. I don't know how true. I think some of that is fabricated. Like I know there were memes about dolphins in Italy, like in Venice. Yeah. Yeah. But that was off off the coast, I think of Sardinia, which there are always dolphins there. But pollution is down and the air quality is better because there's less people there's less manufacturing, there's less cars on the road. So there definitely is an effect, but we'll see when things start to reopen in places. Yeah, yeah I was going to say that one thing you miss, I guess, is like wanting your flight to Italy. So <laughs> is there anything else that you'd miss, like, or even with you, Aaron? Like, is there one thing that you're missing right now that what's the first thing that you kind of do if when this is all blown over? however long it takes i would have a barbecue i would go hang out with my friends like all of them at once and like hug people again do you think hugging yeah. will go back to normal like um i think it will social I, I, change i think there'll be less like maybe handshakes with strangers but i think amongst people who are close i think hugs will come back yeah i i can't see myself i'd still think i'd still feel it's natural yeah if i'm like seeing a friend to like hug them Hamish, you don't feel that way. <laughs> I I stick to fist bumping to prevent in the first place to okay. minimal jumps uh, and like I guess only with ladies and like certain guy friends that would want to do hugs. I do hugs. Like otherwise, I pretty much have minimal contact. Yeah. In general, so because I'm basically a germaphobe. So yes. Um, so I'm like I don't think you're a hugger. I I just yeah. I have a feeling. <laughs> I I would hug, but I just need to be sure that that person's hygienic. And there's kind of no way for some in some cases for me to tell unless I've known them for a few years. You know, been around them. It's the yeah. Time. And I I don't like to like point the finger at men, hmm. but a lot of men, at least American men, just apparently don't wash their hands very frequently, because a lot of them were mentioning on social media how weird it is to see all sinks occupied in a public bathroom. Like, that should not be a weird thing. We should be washing our hands in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, I've seen some mad stuff. Like, when, it, like say, when I go to a bathroom, like, whether it's at a restaurant, like, people will just, like, tap a bit of water in their hands and just leave. I'm like, you can't do that. Uh! <laughs> but, like, yeah, like, when the washing hand videos came out, telling everyone to wash their hands properly, it's just <laughs> been so funny because now I guess, I guess, a lot more people would want to wash my hands properly. I, I, to be honest, I'd say that I didn't wash my hands tw- for 20 seconds, but I washed it for like 10 ish. Yeah, of course. So, but 20 seconds, yeah, like that's been obviously a big change. Yeah, yeah. Well, not too big of a change because I, I do it frequently enough. But uh, I'm glad the one thing I'm glad that coronavirus has hopefully brought and hopefully stays is people's hygiene levels increased. Because Same. Yeah. This is kind of nice to know that everyone's going out the way to try and, you know, like kill off bacteria on their hands and everything and not just like, just I guess for example in the bathroom just tap your tap some literally tap some water and then quickly run out and that's just like so nasty and so many different that levels. That is like, not hand washing. Like why even do anything? Like what does that do for you exactly? The, then the issue becomes when it's not an automatic door to leave the bathroom and then you have to somehow like touch the handle and then, <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. Ew <laughs> yeah, do you see what I mean? Like ah. I, to, I I always try to touch the door that has the least contact with the people would It'll be the most physically hardest p- bit to like pull the door open for, for example. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know if Aaron remembers that if I would ever go to the bathroom, for example, at Nando's, which is a UK food place, what I'd do is I come back and I'd hand sanitize anyways. And this is just because of any 
contact with any handle I may have had to like have without choice <laughs> in between. Yeah, there's a hand sanitizer at work right outside the bathroom. So I I'm definitely going to start doing that mm-hmm. like as a a second layer of protection after touching the, you know, pushing the bathroom door like open. But I'm not a I'm not a germaphobe, but I think I I I'm definitely a lot more mindful now. To be honest, I think everything will eventually go back to normal, which is sad. Really, you think everything, everything, like even like flights, even before I mean, we get a vaccine? I'm not. I'm not talking about anything short term. I am talking okay. about like okay, eventually, say, say five years. I think it will be oh, okay. Like how it was this time last year. Like I don't think uh, I don't think there'll be anything that will become permanent, like forever. Hmm. I think, or maybe I'm missing on something that has changed, but. I mean, I, I hope I hope that's not the case because at least in the U.S., a lot of positive things have happened. Uh, I mean, a lot of really negative things, but a lot of positive, like certain essential workers now are able to have healthcare as part of their just benefits that they okay, didn't have maybe, prior. Maybe, yeah, maybe like stuff on like a government level or yeah. Yeah, that kind of stuff might cause some like laws to change and stuff like that, mm-hmm. which would be good. Yeah, because it's hard to take back things once you've given it to people. Mm. You know, they tend to get angry, at, rightfully so. So I, I hope the good things will stay. That's my my hope. Yeah, and maybe like the appreciation of like health workers. And, <sighs> yes, yes. Uh, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, should we move on to non-corona? Yeah, let's... I guess we can talk about podcasts. I don't know, accents. I love talking about accents. I feel so fancy just talking to you guys. I'm like, <laughs> I have British friends, you guys. Like, I'm so posh. <laughs> so in the UK, there's many accents. I can't, no, I can't differentiate the, like, I don't know someone from Manchester versus London or, I mean, I know Welsh accents just because okay. I, I do have some family there and their accent is very strange. <laughs> um really really odd but yeah i don't know i i know that you sound more posh <laughs> but <laughs> but you both sound fancy to me as in aaron no, that's the most anyone posh. ever said that to me i sound fancy <laughs> aaron you sound fancier okay. no no offense uh no no none yeah. taken none taken i know that and that is that is a fact <laughs> i don't i don't even know who the offense it could have gone either way <laughs> oh i don't know i don't know whether to yeah uh, is it bad to sound like posh like to sound like harry potter is it bad or do people <laughs> it's like a good thing right i don't Ish? know i don't know oh hmm. it could it depends on the person i guess okay yeah i could see that in like the circles i've I've had people say i've sounded posh and did it feel like a insult it, it probably did but mm. I'm, I'm i don't get i don't really get offended so but i'd always be like no, really, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not posh. It depends on the people who I'm around. On the podcast, I probably do sound posher than I am. Is this like a podcast vo- voice that you're putting on? A bit, slightly. Yeah. Yeah. He does not sound like this on a day-to-day basis. He puts on. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say yours is? Because I know in America you'd have. Oh, I have a. I have. I have no accent because I'm from. The Midwest, Ohio doesn't really have a strong regional dialect. We do have words that we say, like instead of <laughs> people make fun of me, and I, I don't even say this anymore. But instead of uh, soda in the Midwest, you say pop. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we we don't even say soda as it is. <laughs> so. Oh, what do you guys say? Coke. Like if 
I mean, yeah, if if we're if we're buying Coke, we'd call it Coke. Okay, but, but it, so you're we, getting but it's it, it's a fizzy drink, right? Yeah. Soda. Oh, you just call it a fizzy drink. Like so, Coke is like a specific drink, right? Yes. Yeah. So except if, if you're, you're in the south of the U.S., where if you're if you're from like Georgia, everything yeah. is Coke. So and people ask, what kind of Coke do you want? It's like oh, I want Sprite. It's very confusing. Oh, what? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Right? In Texas too, every every single type of soda, what what I would consider a soda or pop, is just called Coke. It's like I want grape Coke. I want you know D- Dr That's Pepper weird. Coke. Yeah, it's so weird. But Coke is is um their head. So how would you ask for how would you ask for Coke, like Coca Cola? Regular Coke. You would say okay. I want regular Coke. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of Coke do you want? Yeah, it's such a weird question. It's like. Obviously, I just want Coke, but yeah, it's it's really, there's a lot of weird regional things. This actually brings um, me onto a thing like, for example, I've never understood why the Americans do the date like month, month, day, day, year, year. You mean like we do, yeah, the month, day, year. Yeah, instead of the, I guess, day, month, year. Yeah. Well, it's I guess it's similar to uh, the fact that we have like inches. We don't use the metric system. We just like to be different. Uh, you know, we like miles and you know, kilometers scare us. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know why, but yeah, that's just the one that concerns me the most is the degrees to Fahrenheit thing because obviously <laughs> yeah. whoever, whoever made Fahrenheit, well, like not whoever made, but whatever you not chose it. So you have your freezing point for us in Celsius is zero. Zero. Yeah. That's thirty two. Thirty two. Yeah. It's like it doesn't like, make any sense. It like requires you to do math to get to things. It's, it's needlessly <laughs> complicated. I, I can't. Again, I can't justify any of this, but it's, I know you're upset about soccer too. The fact that everyone calls it football, but <laughs> yeah, that I, I refused to call it soccer when I was when I was living there. Yeah, um, people get so confused if you say football. They they think you mean you know American football with the you know helmets and everything. Yeah, well, it's just a load of terms, isn't it? Yeah, you guys call sweaters jumpers, <laughs> cookies or crisps, right? Or biscuits, biscuits, right? Cookies. We call them well, cookies. We, we we have cookies as well. Oh. But we also have biscuits. They're different. Okay. And uh, French fries to too. <laughs> oh my god. Chips for you guys are what we call Doritos, essentially. Wait, what? You call chips Doritos? All of them though? Like even like the potato ones? Oh no, potato chips we call crisps. Okay. But the chips that are like Doritos, we do pretty much call it just Doritos. Okay. regardless of the brand oh or, we call them tortilla chips that is so funny i don't know if you <laughs> if in new york i don't remember if you said on the original recording if could you turn right on a red light in new york oh you're not allowed but it's not posted but everywhere outside of new york city you can turn right on red yeah that's 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 the that's the one of the worst rules i've ever come across in my life because you're not allowed to turn right on red right yeah you'd you can only turn when the traffic light signal tells you. Well, oh, red, yeah. red just means stop to us. So <laughs> As it should, just, right? To everyone. Stop. But yeah, no, we do a lot of weird things over here. It, but it's normal for us. Like it's abnormal not to turn right. Like people will beep at you. People will get really, really angry, <laughs> belligerent if you're, you know, you're holding up the line by not turning right on red. <laughs> Yeah, and I guess um, the other point we did we did mention it in our like first recording was tipping and like the difference. <gasps> oh yes, I guess yes. the 
the tipping culture out in America? Yeah, you must tip because people aren't uh, restaurant staff. They're not paid a, a real wage. So they survive on their tips. So anything less than 20% is almost like you're stealing, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I don't like the culture at all. I think it would be nice if people were just paid, hmm. you know, what they need to be paid. And you could tip if you want, you know, if you have like really excellent service. But yeah, you have to here. I, yeah, I remember coming back and being like, hey, I'm not tipping ever, anyone ever again. It's, <laughs> it's so weird for me not to tip. Like when I travel overseas, it's it just okay, it's yeah. so weird not to. And I end up tipping and people are just like, you know, extra happy. And I'm just, yeah. Oh, they do. And they, they're just like, oh my God, you're from, you're from America. Like, oh, here we go. Like they rub their head, their hands together in their minds. Like I'm kidding. I just, it's just so ingrained in me that you just, you, you tip when you're getting restaurant service. Do you know how that like started? Like I why? don't, I don't. Is it a government thing where was it just like I, I a don't. few restaurants did it and then everyone just followed? That's a really good question. And I, I don't know. I feel like Tux would know because he's so into just food culture and restaurant culture. I, I have no clue. I don't think it was a government thing, but it is. It does happen everywhere. So maybe it, I don't know. I have no clue. I'm sorry. No, no, that's, that's fine. <laughs> Why um, don't I know everything? <laughs> <laughs> should, we, should we go into podcasts? Yeah. Podcasts? Yes, um, yes. Yeah. So I guess. All of us here are podcast uh, <laughs> creators, I guess you could say. <laughs> I love podcasts. Uh, They're my favorite yeah, things when, to listen to. When did you kind of start getting into podcasts? Was it oh, before, I guess, as it well It was, yeah, well trends? before. I moved to New York in 2008, maybe like 2012. I think I started listening to uh, This American Life. Familiar with that one, but it's a pretty popular one in, in the U.S. yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, I'm impressed. I really like. It's so well produced. Oh my god, it's exceptional. Yeah. They, um, even though it's like publicly and privately funded, it's like state of the art sound quality, and they get yeah. really amazing producers. And it's just yeah, it's a gold standard because they've been doing it for so long. I think they started in 2008, so they've been. Oh wow. Yeah. They've been at this for a while. When did you guys get into podcasts? I, I probably maybe started listening maybe two, two, three years ago. Okay. So not, not too long, but probably just as it was kind of like picking up a yeah. bit more momentum in like the recent kind of years. And then I, I, I could probably hit my peak when we were kind of hadn't started our podcast, but kind of like re or we knew we were going to start a podcast. Well, we had the idea to start a podcast and then I started like listening to all podcasts that I could to try and like see how other people kind of did it. Wow. And then since we actually started, I probably stopped listening to podcasts as much, if anything. Hmm. Um, just because most of my time is spent listening to this podcast and editing this podcast. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, I can't like listen to a podcast at the same time as editing this. Yeah. You guys put podcasts out every week. We do it uh, twice a month. So yeah, that's, it's a lot of time and effort. I, I get it. Yeah. I don't know how you guys find the time to do it, frankly. <laughs> we're, we're right close to the deadline these days. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Cause you're both working, yeah, right? You're tight. working like full time. Um, and doing this weekly, that's like super ambitious. It's amazing. But, um, yeah, so <laughs> I have, 
I have a lot of favorite podcasts. I'm only going to um, mention three. Okay, let me cut it down, I guess. Okay, maybe four. <laughs> no, go for it. I, re- I remember. <laughs> no, go for it. I remember okay. the ones you mentioned on our oh, okay. first take cool. being, uh, cool, cool. being pretty so interesting. I, I really, I want to say my favorite podcast. It's such a weird podcast, but it's it only comes out once a month. It's called The Memory Palace. And it features like really obscure historical narratives told from a really like clever perspective. Most of the episodes are pretty short. So anywhere from like seven minutes to at most like 23 minutes. So they're very, very accessible. And the narrator, he just paints such a picture with words and sound that it feels like an escape into the past. And I, as a history buff, like I love it. The stories can be funny or like emotional, but it's just very surprising. It always ends in a really surprising place. And it's like a novel experience that you're almost, I don't know, you're almost like in it for a brief moment. And my favorite episode is, it's about Coney Island. I don't know if you know Coney Coney Island in Brooklyn. It's this really old um, amusement park. It has one of the oldest roller coasters in the the country. But this is a, a... this episode is about the amusement park that was there before Coney Island called Dreamland. And it's, uh, it's so, so good. I will give you the, the exact episode number and everything that you can put in your show notes. It's yeah, it's only seven minutes long and I really think everyone should listen to it. It's fun. I oh, also, okay, that's yeah, long. only seven minutes. Sure. And I, I'm such an annoying person when it comes to podcasts, like every, I could be in a conversation about anything and there's like a podcast episode from that in my head like this reminds me of something i heard on a podcast like i'm always saying that and to be I'm fair like, i've i've turned in every conversation i have now i seem to refer back to one of our previous episodes yeah right <laughs> okay great. so it's not just me <laughs> but i'm i'm accidentally promoting myself though <laughs> oh yeah okay i'm doing both but yeah i guess i promote other i'm just such a big fan of podcasts i've been listening for so long that i yeah I need to be better at promoting myself. <laughs> <laughs> I also love this podcast called The Truth. And their tagline is movies for your ears. And this is another one where they tell short stories, sometimes that are, are dark. Sometimes they're really, really funny. Sometimes they're creepy and I can't listen to them because I'm I'm an adult baby, you guys. Like I... <laughs> Like I've been scared by my own hair falling on my neck from a ponytail. Like I'm so jumpy. <laughs> <laughs> like I've been scared by dust in corners. Like I think they're spiders. Like I'm <laughs> always, uh, I don't know, always looking to be scared. So some of them I can't listen to, but most of them are, are pretty funny and um, just really vivid. Like lots of different characters. It's like hearing a movie, um, but it's just audio there's another podcast that I love. It's called 10 things that scare me. And it's exactly that (laughs) it's different people. Some of them are famous. Some of them are just regular people. And I don't know how they find them that just list 10 things that scare them. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you saying this last time and like, yeah, yeah, they're really really short episodes as well, aren't they? Really short episodes because they, some people just read 10 things. So the episode is like, you know, a minute long, maybe two minutes with like intro, outro. But yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. They're not, they're not like, it's not what I thought. Cause as, as I just told you, I'm easily scared. And I, I do, I find it fascinating. The things that people are scared of, like teenagers, (laughs) that's a recurring thing that adults are afraid of teenagers. (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. So I, I think it's kind of fascinating in its um, simplicity. Yeah, I just I'm fascinated with just the human mind. I, as I mentioned previously, I went to Cornell for thinking I was going to go in yeah. one direction. I still have those like leanings. So I, I, I like when people are really honest and candid about, you know, things that are going on with them. I'm just I'm kind of a creep in that way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another podcast that I absolutely adore. It's called Off Book. It is an improvised musical comedy. Every episode oh, is yeah. different, and it's so fun. Sometimes it goes off the rails. Sometimes, you know, in the heat of the moment, the person who there's two two hosts, and they they in, they um, invite a guest on. Sometimes the guest will, you know, basically fuck up, like rhyme the same word, just because in the heat of the moment they can't think of anything. So it's very relatable in that way. It's like, that's what I would do. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, all a, it's, it's a musical. It is a musical, yes. There's a, a pianist and a, like a guitarist and I think like a, a drummer on every episode. And it's just, yeah, free form comedy uh, musical in musical form. It's, it's delightful. I love it because it's, it's I, I can't listen to anything political right now. I just want to be uplifted. I can't, I'm not listening to any news podcasts. I used to listen to the guardian, but I just, I just need, I need an escape basically. <laughs> nah, that's fair enough. I also love the Kondavalu brothers. Uh, I mentioned this last time they have a podcast. It is since ended, but it's uh well, one, two brothers. One is a comedian, Harry uh, Kondavalu and his brother Ashok. It's just the two of them basically have a conversation in front of a live audience. And they're so funny. I just, I love sibling dynamics so much. Um, <laughs> there's one episode where Ashok, there, there's a, there's a segment in the podcast. Uh, every episode, they have this segment called Ashok, tell me the truth. Because apparently Ashok was just a notorious liar when they were growing <laughs> up and <laughs> He just lied about all these things. And he's like, yeah, I skipped middle school. You know, I was <laughs> hanging out, you know, doing skateboard with my friends. But yeah, he confesses to using other people's toothbrushes in one of the episodes, which oh, is yeah. just wow. so foul. It's so gross. But he kind of spins it like, you know, people shouldn't be so attached to things. It's not your toothbrush. <laughs> it's like, dude, it is my toothbrush. And like you brought it into the shower and it's obvious that you use it because it's wet, you know, <laughs> he's just like such an asshole, but oh, a lovable asshole. So yeah, those are, those are some podcasts that I, I absolutely adore. And I think, I think your audience would be into them because they're, they're fun and, and uplifting. Yeah, no, they sound really interesting. Yeah. Uh, hey, Mish, do you have any favorites? So I don't actually listen to it. To be honest, since the third wheel, I've actually ended up pretty much not listening to podcasts or uh, podcasts at all. So the ones I would did you ever to, though? Did you yeah, ever? So like I would listen to what's good. I'm so far behind on the episodes. I've listened to certain half cast ones, and the Mo Gilligan one, but that one's not been running too long. And do you know, like explain what they so what these ones are what's like. good is just by two YouTubers in the UK, one musician slash YouTuber, which is Randolph and Simon Miniminter. And yeah, since I'm a fan of, I guess, the Sidemen, which is a UK kind of YouTube entertainment group, um, I do like the podcast <laughs> quite a bit. And then Halfcast is basically usually aimed at a specific set of topic, usually um, in and around the grime scene, so they're around parts of the music scene usually. And sometimes they'll have some other guests on to talk with, including some artists that may have been around. And sometimes it's just nice to just hear some other opinions on it. And then yeah. 
about Gilligan's a comedian who sometimes brings guests on. Uh, well, he brings guests on to talk about random things. And yeah, it's just quite funny because Mo, the comedian, is just a funny individual. So it, it works quite well. But as I said, I haven't listened to anything but The Third Wheel because, yeah, um, when you start your own podcast, it's kind of tough to make time for other podcasts, especially with our schedules these days. Yeah, you've definitely got me into grime. And I'm I'm glad that this is re-airing because I was just like, what's grime? It's so loud. I felt I sounded like such an old person. <laughs> The first <laughs> to be fair grime is like an old well it's more of an old genre i don't think it, the younger generation kind of get with it as much but basically in the original episode for reference um i had recommended some a few artists from the, the uk that could potentially get stephanie into the uk music and based on what i had understood of stephanie i had recommended a caller and she yeah, you're spot on. Fallen, yeah fallen in love with a caller oh my god <laughs> she's I'm like OG. so i've a Carla, I never heard of a Carla, but then last like two weeks, I've seen quite a lot of him for some reason. Oh, is he like, he's like in the news or something? I don't know if he released something. Did he release oh. something? Yeah, he recently? did release something recently, but um, I think he released two things recently, so a song and stuff, but I think it also depends on what your phone hears from you. If they heard a Carla and then it decided, oh, like you were speaking about a Carla really? recently, yeah. so yeah, let me refer to you some more Carla things, but. Yeah, okay, has back up. Do you, do you really think that your phone is listening to you? I mean, I know it is. <laughs> I mean, it's it's happened to me on too many occasions where I I've know said it has something. too, but I'm like, am I just like connecting dots in a weird way? Okay. I feel like the industry I work in means that I, I kind of have to accept that is. But wouldn't that take so much processing power to listen to everything that we say? Say something that you're not that you never searched on your phone, like Oh, I know, I'll give you something. I would say say Madagascar vanilla um ice cream, <laughs> and in a few days. <laughs> okay, so you know Alexa. Yes. So the the opposite to Alexa, you know the Google one. I don't want to say it because it's gonna alert my two devices in my room right now. <laughs> but, okay. So I know it's always listening to me because it's always listening out for those keywords. But do you think your phone is listening though? It's on my phone as well. So oh, okay. Google. So it okay. So you, yeah. you've invited the boogeyman into your house to listen. I mean, yours and... is probably listening to you as well at all times. So. Yeah, I've definitely said some things and seen things in my like Google search that just like ads. I'm like, this feels weird. But I'm like, am I just, am I seeing, am I trying to connect dots? Because, you know, that's what the mind does, trying to make sense of the wor- world. But yeah, I don't know. I'm trying not to be too paranoid. But the fact that you two have just like, accepted the fact that <laughs> you're being spied upon is very funny i can give i can give like many examples of this happened like two of the i guess most common ex- the best examples was once when my colleague from work he was discussing like oh this place has developed mil- best milkshakes or this place nearby has amazing milkshakes and I'm like, well, i'll try out the milkshakes soon yeah. and then the next thing you know in the next few days on instagram or facebook all my ads are about milkshakes and i never searched milkshake milkshake like once on any of my devices so wow I know um, Ooh, that's and, creepy. Then, and then also well obviously other people have also shown me similar occurrences and then one of them was when i was talking about like this bank and the interest rates on it so like hsbc and then the next thing you know for like the next five days one of the ads i'll see when scrolling down like on facebook or something would be inst- um hsbc and there's like no genuine reason for hsbc to be in my ad thing because i have no interest in it wow okay yeah that's <laughs> that's yeah, very not, creepy not to scare people just gotta make sure you're not saying anything bad 
too late. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, what, what what did you think of I guess Apollo and like the thing? Oh, I love his music. I I thought just the subject matter, the things that he rapped about, were really profound, and I really like the beats. I like his flow, like everything. Like I'm fully like a fangirl like that's all i've listened to since since we recorded like I, what like almost three weeks ago yeah i've gone i've gone in very very deep and he is on spotify you were saying that he was just on youtube but it's just that yeah. a lot of his older stuff wouldn't be there for you to listen to unless you like youtube certain things so that's what i was trying to refer to but yeah he does have stuff on spotify and yeah like one of some one of my favorite things i guess i picked up from him is like perspective like a narrative like um, yeah which is kind of a good thing to like i guess for everyone to kind of listen out and um listen to him for for example an industry may like a certain type of thing like for example let's take the music and the radio industry um so if they obviously expect a certain type of thing to be played to a certain type of audience at a certain type of day a certain time of day and as a result that means that other stuff could can't be played because they think it's not that people won't resonate with them. This is not exact mm-hmm. quotes of a caller, but it's it's like what are the consequences if people do resonate with this type of music? Yeah, that is like, and it's and he shows so much about perspective. How it's just like like he yeah, yeah. He, he speaks like such like he he's quite educational for yeah. It's a little dense, but like it's he he speaks in a way that is really powerful, but also like can be inflammatory. Like if you really think about the things that he's talking about rapping about like you would be upset yeah he's like he's one of the best lyricists as well so the, the meaning yeah if you, if you you can't listen to him like in the club or anything you listen to him like yeah yeah no not really club music at think, all. yeah um, yeah and one of the other things he said in one of his bars is that i'll never i'll know where like gold and jewelry diamonds etc because i know where it came from and along the lines yeah. of referring it to where it was basically stolen and so yeah. on from the original country so yeah, it's just like mad things like that that even make you think like, oh, down the line, once I'm rich, would I wear um jewels or anything? Because now, I yeah, you're part of the problem. Went me to yeah, I'm going yeah. looking for a matter that is beyond my historical understanding. He's really, like, really, really intelligent. Like, he connects so many dots, and you know, I mean, his flow is phenomenal. Like, he's so he's brilliant. Like, really poetic, and yeah, I'm obsessed fully obsessed i i i don't like i will ask you for more suggestions in the future but like i'm still i'm still fully entrenched yeah carla is a big one too i guess like swallow yeah he's a lot yeah should we uh start to round up now they're the, they're the same ones we asked on take one so <laughs> hopefully it should be we haven't switched it up so I'll go, I'll go for the first one and that is so you're on lockdown who's the dream guest to spend it with Okay, so my dream guest to spend lockdown with the entirety of this pandemic would have to be, it sounds very cliche, but it would be Tux, my co-host. He is just such a pleasure to be around. We're both very similar in a lot of ways. We're both introverts, so we have a lot of um, hobbies that we can be, that can be done solo. So I think we wouldn't really get on each other's nerves a lot, which is which is key. I'm currently dating an extrovert, and we've been <laughs> we've been having some issues. <laughs> um, Tux is a great cook. 
He loves to bake as well, which is good and bad. Uh, he's already made me, I guess we've been on, on lockdown for nine weeks now. He's made me three pies and um, three, sorry, three cakes. Three cakes that I do not need, but fully ate within 24 hours of receiving. There were mini cakes. Let the record reflect. They were mini cakes. They were very delicious. Um, so it would be, we would be really amazing to be locked down with Tux and just eating all of his really delicious food. We have similar tastes and TV watching. He's the one who got me into the great British bake off. Um, and I, I love it. He also introduced me to Drag Race, another reality TV show that I really enjoy watching. It's so uplifting. So I think the two of us would have a fantastic uh, lockdown together. Sweet. The second question is, what is your chosen meal for the rest of lockdown? This could be a three-course meal if you want. So my chosen meal for the rest of this period would be... Uh, I don't know. Time has gotten so slippery. I don't really eat lunch anymore. I make a meal in the morning and I, I like nibble on it throughout lunchtime. I, I'm a very slow eater, notoriously slow eater. And I've just been allowed to be myself <laughs> in this period. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm eating one, two meals a day basically and like snacks and things. So I would have, uh, I would make a breakfast taco. It's what I've been eating mostly so far, and I have yet to get sick of it. It's just scrambled eggs, um, seasoned to taste, and then I make uh, refried beans to top the eggs, and then I make a pico de gallo sauce, and then I put it in a grilled tortilla, and it is very, very delicious. I highly recommend it. It's a It's a meal that's popular in the south of the U.S., mostly in Texas, and uh, New Mexico, they're really big. And yeah, I, I did my own like New York spin on it. The meal that I would have for dinner, if money was no option, apparently I have expensive taste, would be a fennel and sausage pizza from this place near my apartment called Parkside. It's near Prospect Park. And they have the best pizza in Brooklyn, I'm convinced. Um, so I, I could eat there for dinner every every day i absolutely would nice wicked um and then third question and this is one we ask every guest and this is what has been your most memorable third wheeling experience and this doesn't mean the podcast uh what has been my most memorable third wheeling experience Ooh, i would have to say my most memorable and definitely my most formative third wheeling experience would be being with my sister and her friends growing up. My older sister is um, 18 months and one day older than me. Um, and she <laughs> she had a lot of friends growing up and I, I did not. <laughs> I did not really make a lot of friends until I was like middle school, unfortunately. But being one of six, my dad was very adamant about um, he, had, he would always say, you don't need friends, you have sisters. And it's, and I understand the sentiment. It, it is, I am friends with my sisters, but we also need friends. <laughs> I, I needed friends. 
So I would always be hanging out with her and her friends, and they loved watching horror films. And I, I still, to this day, I don't have the, the tolerance for it. I am, you know, I'm afraid, <laughs> as I mentioned, I'm afraid of everything. Like, it's, it's, um, it doesn't take much to spook me. Um, but I would, because I wanted to hang with my big sister. I thought her and her friends were so cool. I would insert myself in on these movie watching uh, nights that she would have and <laughs> before the movie would start she'd be like you're just gonna have a nightmare you're such a baby and she was not wrong because I I would almost nine times out of ten I would have a nightmare that night um, so I but it didn't stop me I was still very very annoying and I never felt welcome but I knew that she couldn't she couldn't force me out because my you know, my dad wanted us hanging out, so she just had to, she just had to take it. <laughs> um, but yeah, well, I mean, what's she gonna do? We're still sisters. That was whole, that was my whole attitude. It's like, what are you gonna do? Yeah, you're gonna be mad at me, but it's like we share a bunk bed, so what, you know? <laughs> so that, that's definitely my most memorable and still <laughs> one of my fondest memories of being a third wheel was just, pissing Jessica the fuck off <laughs> as, a, as a little kid. Um, Sweet. And the next segment is a call-out or a nomination of who you'd like to see um, come on the podcast. One or many people. So I am going to pass the torch to my friend Max Abitino. He is a musician living in Matera, Italy. And I think that he would be an excellent uh, conversationalist. He loves to connect with new people and um, he's very funny and just really thoughtful, smart. He's, he's around your age. I think you guys would be, would have a really, really cool conversation and I would, I would love to hear it. And I'm also nominating Tux because I think he's just such a fantastic human, such a joy to be around. And I, I, we're co-hosts, but I, I always feel like a sidekick <laughs> because he's just like, he's just so, so smart and so funny. And I, I just wish I was that smart and funny. And I'm just so happy that we're friends. And I think, I think the three of you could have a really, really entertaining, really far reaching because he's a man of a lot of different tastes and hobbies. I would, yeah, I would love to hear that conversation and I, I think your listeners would as well. Okay, awesome. Yeah, we will uh, get in touch with him. And final bit is a shout out. So this basically stage is yours. You can basically plug plug anything you want to. So uh, yeah, Stephanie, anything? So I'm going to shout out. <laughs> I'm going to shout out my own podcast, Beyond Reproach, because I, I think it's fantastic and I... I um, I am selfish. No, <laughs> no. I think that your listeners would would be into it if they if they like comedy and history and uh, cocktails. So we release a podcast twice a month on the first and third Mondays uh, mornings. We release. We do one full episode where we each tell our scandals, and there is a vintage cocktail that pairs with one of the scandals. That's the first thing that's released. And then um, we release a mini episode on 
something, a topic from culture that we get our listeners to send in feedback for. Both Aaron and now Hamish have been on our mini shows, so definitely check them out. Yeah, go over to our website. All the information will be in show notes. And yeah, I think I think it'd be really cool to have some more international listeners in the mix, shaking things up. Yep. Hamish, anything? Yeah, I was going to shout out um, a book by a caller called Natives, Race and Class in the Ruins of Empire. And a, a book. Yep. <laughs> and n- not that I've read it, but I've heard really good things about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then a song by AJ Tracy and Mostak that recently released called Dinner Guest. Yeah, those are my shouts. I'm going to shout out. So there's, there's a, when I lived in America, I got really into basketball. Um, and there's currently a Netflix uh, documentary series at the moment called The Last Dance. Um, and it's basically all about Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls uh, teams of like the 1990s. And um, even if you're, if you're into basketball or not into basketball, it's quite uh, interesting to like look at someone where it goes quite into someone who um, he basically took a sport so basketball sport in America and made it like global and it's kind of like goes into like the mindset of someone who was so obsessed with like winning. Um, and it's interesting, like even, yeah, if, if you're not interested in basketball, but they're releasing two episodes uh, weekly at the moment, every Sunday in America and every Monday in the UK. So yeah, if you're interested in that, go check that out. And yeah, that that brings us to the end of the episode. Uh, Stephanie, thanks so much for coming on twice, <laughs> recording twice. Uh, if anyone doesn't understand, like we we tried recording this, or we did record it first time, but the basically audio got lost after like twenty minutes. So uh, yeah, Stephanie's been good enough to go do it with us a second time. So yeah. Yeah, hope everyone's uh, enjoyed it. Go check out all the links to uh, Beyond Reproach will be in the description in the show notes. So go check them out. And yeah, hope everyone's doing good and staying safe. Have a good day, guys. So yes, see you next episode. Bye. Bye.